Hi, guys, and thank you for joining us at I-80 Sports. Today, we are doing a preview for Orlando City 2021 season. We're talking Orlando City SC. So to join us, we have Logan Oliver from The Roar Podcast. Logan, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about yourself and pitch your podcast. How's it going, y'all? I am uh, one of the three co-hosts of The Roar Pod, which is uh, infamous in Orlando City circles. We uh, we like to have fun with what we do. It uh, hasn't been the easiest road so far. We've been uh, on air for about five years now. This is our fifth season. Uh, so we've been through the downs and also the one up. So uh, you can find us at The Roar pretty much anywhere you want. Um, we uh, have the faces for radio and the voices for silent movies. So, you know, we're just uh, we're just out there having fun talking to soccer. Love it. So when we talk about Orlando City SC, ownership, stadium, culture, history, we kind of lump that all together here. Let us know what we need to know about your team. We, uh, we're finally good for once. I think that's the, the main thing. We've uh, this is our 11th season as a club, 11th in Orlando, seventh uh, in MLS. I had a few good years down in USL, won a couple trophies, and then uh, kind of did not age well when we went up to MLS. Um, finally, in 2020, uh, in such a weird year, Orlando City finally found some stability, finally found some good coaching, and uh, <clears throat> so I, I don't know. A ton of people know about Orlando City, but uh, beautiful downtown stadium, downtown Orlando. Uh, great kind of bar district that people like to hang out uh, right before games. Great atmosphere if you get down there. Um, Flavio Augusto da Silva is currently the owner of the club. He uh, made his earnings in the um, Brazilian education sphere. He built English language schools down in Brazil, and that's how he made his money. And decided to wisely invest in MLS to help us get our MLS club back when we were in USL. And uh, there's actually a lot of smoke that he's selling the club pretty soon to the Wilfs of Minnesota Vikings fame. Uh, so we're all kind of excited for that, I gotta say, because uh, Flavio himself has said he's the poorest owner in MLS. So we're uh, we're kind of we're excited to see what this team has become and if it has a little more buying power behind it, what it could potentially grow into. So the the fan base is amazing. Uh, you'll always hear us uh, the wall in uh, a beautiful yeah. uh, soccer specific yeah. stadium. Uh, we are notorious in a lot of spheres. Um, we do cause a ruckus, uh, which is one of the groups of ruckus in the Iron Lion Farm. Uh, but it's it's a fun time. It's it's you cannot go wrong going to Orlando City game. All right, so let's talk about the 2020 season because last season you guys went 11, four and eight, 40 goals scored, 25 goals against, and a lot of it was in the back of some young players. You had Chris Mueller, 10 goals, seven assists. Daryl DK, eight goals, four assists. Nani, six goals, five assists. You had Benji Mitchell. Five goals, two assists. Mauricio Pereira, two goals, eight assists. And Ruan with four assists. If you had to sum up the season in just a couple words, what was the big storyline? What was the big theme of 2020? Relief. Uh, I mean, Oscar Pereja was the big thing. Uh, finally making the playoffs for the first time after five years of trying. It's, uh, we finally got to watch some quality soccer over an extended period of time. And we finally got to watch this team score goals and not allow goals. Just been... Uh, kind of our bugaboo for five seasons. Absolutely. What I liked was, you know, getting the attention on Orlando. I, I've, we've all seen Orlando play in the past, but I think especially with MLS's back, the spotlight was on Orlando, and I, I don't know that that's ever been there before. I liked watching them in primetime games. The only team playing on a Tuesday or a Monday night, I absolutely loved it. And the guy stepped up. 
You had Mueller, Daryl DK in prime time, Orlando Shine. I see I got my purple lights on here. You guys were so much fun to watch. So for me, it was almost like like they're coming out, like, like the coming out party for Orlando. Alex, what do you think about Orlando last year? I mean, you know, since Orlando came in the league, I, the fan base has been phenomenal when you got the uh, Kaka. And when, we, when you guys got Kaka, I really thought you, know, you guys would be going to playoffs and he was such a, a world player of the year. I mean, your fan base is unbelievable. And we're Red Bull fans. I've been going since 96 and we're envious of how your fan base is, like how you sell out your stadiums and win or lose, you guys are you're known around the league how great Orlando is. And last year we were coming Perea with the, the, the emergence of DK and Mueller and Benji Michelle, I mean, the coaching, it's it's it's, it's, a, it's a blueprint for other MLS teams I really think need to follow. You drafted well, you developed young players, and you throw in a, a veteran like Nani who seems like he ate the, he's like 10 years younger all of a sudden. I mean, look at how good he was last year. It was shocking to me how great he still is. I mean, what's not to like about Orlando right now? Well, there's a lot of question marks, I think. You know, Nani is elite for a few matches a year, but then in this stage of his career, he just can't keep at that level for extended periods of time. I think we're actually probably going to see a lot less Nani this year yep. than we have. Yep, yep, yep. That, that's, we're going to get to that when we make our predictions because I'm going to ask you guys a little bit about those positions. But before we talk about the players, let's talk about the coach and the tactics. Coach Oscar Pereja, what makes him special? What is his plan? What is the goal of every game? Well, he actually had a few different plans last year, depending on who was available. And we're, it really depends on Joao Moutinho's health at the moment or any left back. Uh, when Joao Moutinho was in there, we like to play a possession style. We love to dominate the ball to dictate what, uh, how the game goes. And then uh, once he got hurt and uh, needed hip surgery eventually, um, this team turned into a bunker and counter team. And credit to Pereja for being able to change up on the fly and keep winning. Uh, that's not an easy thing to do. But I think this year... Now that we know kind of what to expect, we're going to see a lot more of that possession style that we saw on MLS's back, um, which was a lot of fun to see, especially because last year we didn't have DK in MLS's back. He hadn't broken through yet. He wasn't the starter. So now that we will have hopefully an established striker up top, um, we'll be able to see that possession style with a lot more end product, which I think everybody will know. So let's get right to it. I've made a little depth chart. This is not from someone in the know. This is just my prediction of what I think could be happening during next season. And let's talk about that striker position because you got Alexander Pato up top and you got Kindele waiting in the wing. So out of the striker position, what could we expect? And are you guys excited to have Alexander Pato, someone who seemed like he was going to be a world superstar for a few years there and due to injury and, and some movement, uh, maybe that never came to, to his full uh, expectation. There have been Pato rumors for six years. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Yeah, Back, I uh, when we were still in USL, we actually played against uh, Milan. I think no, it wasn't Milan. He was in Brazil at the time. In a friendly, uh, they came up and played us in Rollins College, which is their little dinky college in Winter Park, Florida. Um, and there were rumors that Pato was coming then. And there's been rumors every time he leaves the club. So now to have him, probably a few years later than we would have liked, I think there was a lot of. Um, Disagreement in the fan base when we originally signed him because he is older, does have a lot of injury issues, uh, has not been super great. He's been good. He's been solid. I think he's going to be a solid MLS player. Uh, the big question is how much le is left in the tank for him? And like Nani, can he produce consistently? Because Nani's a match winner on his day, and Pato can be too. We've seen him score a few uh, goals here in preseason already. But if he can't do it for the whole season and DK doesn't come back, there's some questions there in uh, in the depth of the striker pool as to exactly what they can provide. Absolutely. I agree. Now, I love Pato. I like his play style. I was a big Milan fan those three years when he was putting in 15 a year. 
He got benched there. He went to Brazil. He traveled around the world, it seemed like. Ended up in China, scored two 15-goal seasons in a row. Brazil, uh, where he played the last two years, he only had 18 starts over those two seasons. He, I believe he'll be 31 when the season starts. But if he has some left in the tank, I think he can contribute and be one of those double-digit goal scorers for you guys. And when you got Nani on one side, Chris Mueller on on another, 10 goals would get you in the playoffs pretty pretty easily from Alexander Pato. So let's now move back and talk about those wingers. Nani, Chris Mueller are you know polar opposites in uh, in where they are in their career. You had Chris Mueller who just just blew it up last season. He had one of the best uh, summers that you could possibly have. So w- who are you more excited for here, Mueller or Nani? Uh, it's definitely Mueller at this point. Uh, I think Nani's already said he's not resigning, so it's kind of the swan song for him in Orlando this year. Um, Mueller, I think if you'd asked Orlando fans in 2019 if that was possible, uh, that 2020 season, they wouldn't have said that. It looked like he had kind of hit a wall there. He was running on a treadmill, and Pareja really brought something else out of him, and you saw him do things he never did in his first two years of pro. So I'm excited to see what his growth is going to be like under Pareja. And now we have Sylvester Vandervater right behind him, who's – uh, a guy who's been ripping it up in the Dutch league for a few years now and is actually going to provide a lot more uh, pressure on him to keep that starting spot and potentially to uh, to raise his game a little bit more. Chris Mueller was not only paid in in the fans' love and becoming kind of a MLS household name. I don't know how much, like, I'm going to put that in hand quotes. I don't know how much an MLS household name really exists. But then he got called up to the national team, got two goals in an assist in December in that game against El Salvador. So definitely a player we're going to watch. Now, you said Nani's talking about retirement, and that's kind of where I want to touch next because he's another year older. He looked great last season, but it was also... The probably the longest time he's ever had off in his professional career, playing less games than he's ever played in a season in his professional career. Do you think that that's going to weigh in at all? If that maybe sparked a little extra life, you know, that last uh, burst of fresh air in his lungs towards the end of last season. Yeah, I mean, I'm interested to see what he does after he leaves Orlando. He's uh, he's made it pretty clear he's not coming back. So. Um, I think it's definitely sparked something in the front office where they went out and signed Alexander Alvarado at the tail end of the summer window yeah. of 2020 and then brought in Vandervater, who can also fill in on that side. So the the club is definitely preparing for him to leave. But I also think spelling him and keeping him, you know, that was a decent amount of games last year. He was more consistent last year than he was in 2019. So if they can rotate him a lot more and keep him fresher longer, I think uh, this club can do a lot more. Uh, with Nani playing fewer minutes, as weird as that sounds. I, I got a quick question. Benji Michelle, where do you see him in the, in this lineup? Getting minutes, starting, uh, where do you see him? Because I like his game. I like He shows some signs of really, he could really, he could be a double-digit scorer, I think, in this league if he, if he given the opportunity. What do you think on him? I, I like his play so far, what I say. I love Benji Michelle. I've been watching him since he was in college. I loved his game in college. There was actually a saga where we didn't know if we were going to be able to sign him. He was kind of moonlighting uh, with other MLS teams in the offseason. Um, so I was really happy we got him. He's a great sub off the bench. Vandervater obviously muddies up that depth chart on right wing where he normally plays. You know, the question is, was Pareja going to use him up top? He predominantly brought him on late in games as kind of that uh, pacey option to stretch back line yeah. and get a counter goal, which he was really good at last year. You know, Excellent. Goals, yep. goals for 90 was ridiculous for the, the amount of touches he got. So there's a lot of, uh, a lot of, a lot of things to like about Benji. I think the question is, can he earn that PT with a lot more, um, a lot more competition for those spots now. Uh, obviously, if Pato coming in, you got Vander Vodder, 
Um, you know, he can fill on the left wing. You got Alvarado. There's there's just a lot of forward talent in Orlando right now. And Benji really doesn't fit the possession style. Like he just doesn't play in the buildup as well as those those other guys. So I think the question is, is he going to be able to adapt his game to maybe improve there to earn more minutes? Or is he going to be kind of a pacey goal scoring option that's going to get rotated in every handful of games? Absolutely. Now, when we were talking before the game, I remember pulling up the graphic and I said, wow, you guys, your midfield is deep. Let's talk about how the, the three midfield positions, who the players are, how they're going to line up and where you think they are in the pecking order, because we have... Uh, in my depth chart, I do have, let's see, Mauricio Pereira as kind of the the number 10. Uh, you got Roselle and Perea. You got Junior Urso, Jegson Mendez. How do you see these guys in the pecking order and what positions in midfield, what space do you think they're going to be occupying? Uh, well, Pereira, he is the 10, but he's kind of an un, uh, unconditional. Uh, he's a weird 10. He's a guy who's going to track back. He's a guy who's going to two-foot in a challenge. We saw that in the playoffs where he got sent off. Uh, he will attempt to break your leg. He's kind of a mean little guy, um, which, you know, you love that kind of defensive effort out of a number 10. But he, he's able to, to connect the, the passages of play. He's great at opening up lanes for other people. He's, he's a very clever player, uh, a lot of fun to watch. Um, but after him, we really don't have another creator who looks ready to step in for him. So I'm interested to see what we do with the first two games in the season when he's suspended for attempting to break an ankle. Um, we, you say that so nonchalantly. It's awesome. It's like, oh, just attempting to break an ankle. That's cool. Really angry when it happened. But, you know, six, six months later, it's a lot less uh, salt in the wound. Um, the, the question is, what do we do when he's out? So uh, Andres Perez is a guy that I really like. Um, he has been filling in for him kind of in a more advanced number eight role as kind of the creative number eight. He didn't play there for the U23s for some reason. I don't know what Jason Kreis is thinking there. but um, yeah, not, not, None of us know what Jason Kreis is doing at that tournament, to be honest with you. <laughs> so you're not alone, trust me. Well, having to watch uh, Orlando City Soccer with Jason Kreis on the touchline for, uh, was it two and a half years, two years? Mm. Yeah, we all saw that coming. Um, but Perea has kind of been the guy who steps in there. We The, the interesting thing is we didn't have a, all of those players available a lot. Uh, I think it was three games we had all of our central midfielders available. Uh, and in that, Pereja decided he was going to go with Uri and Urso, and that kind of fits the possession style. Um, Mendez is kind of that 1B uh, to Uri there at the number six spot, but he doesn't really have the passing range. He's not quite as fluid. Uh, he's more of a destroyer who's going to sit back there and also try to break your ankles. We've got a lot of just aggressive people in midfield. Um, and then Urso is that kind of traditional box-to-box. He does, doesn't do anything flashy, but uh, we probably don't win as many as he's not out there. He's just a very smart player. I like him. Uh, Urso is very underrated to me. Yeah, he's very for your team. I think Urso was very underrated. A lot of people don't know how good he was and how important he was to your team last year. I agree. So let's talk a little bit about the defense because they allowed 25 goals last season, which was good. You had a good, solid defense. Here we have uh, Giamontino out on the left, Ruan on the right, and Antonio Carlos, uh, Robinson Jensen, and Schlegel. Wait, you don't have defense. Schlegel? You don't have Schlegel in goal there, Bob? What happened? That was a joke, Bob. That was a joke. I got it, man. I got it. And uh, sorry, Robin Jensen. I don't know. My autocorrect got uh, (laughs) Robinson Jensen. Yeah, that's his new name. So how do you see this uh, defense? This defense is weird. So the the way Pereja likes to play will often leave those center backs on islands. And both uh, Janssen, Schlegel, and all three of Janssen, Schlegel, and um, Carlos are very athletic, which is great. Uh, They're able to clean up back there and kind of keep things steady. But while they had a lot fewer goals allowed last year, 
they only kept, I think, three clean sheets. They You could basically chalk up a goal for us, a goal for the other team, and then whoever got to two won the game. That was just kind of how it played out. You knew a goal was coming. Uh, they were pretty bad on set pieces was their big bugaboo, uh, their big issues. Anytime uh, there was a corner or a free kick, you were kind of terrified. Uh, they were fantastic in the run of play, though. I think only Seattle allowed fewer goals in the run of play last year. Um, it was just those those mental breakdowns that uh, that cost us a few clean sheets and a few more points in the table. So it, cleaning that up, I think, is going to be huge for us and how far we can go this year and will kind of dictate our ceiling. But there's also a lot of questions with depth. Obviously, Moutinho's out for the foreseeable future. He's hopefully going to be back sooner rather than later. But we don't have a left back behind him. Uh, we've got uh, Sam Gleedle in a, a trialist uh, for preseason right now. Uh, Kyle Smith will fill in there probably to start the year, but uh, just not a lot of options you'll love back there. Huan, um, though, uh, like Junior Urso, I think he's a guy who uh, this team really doesn't hit those heights without. He's, his pace is fantastic. He might be running a 4 3 um, you know, on a bad wow. day. This dude is amazing. Wow. Um, a lot of the game plan is to get him behind the uh, back line to the end line and uh, just win a foot race to get the ball um squared so you know I, I think this team's a lot of, gonna be a lot of fun to watch this year but the defensive depth is uh is kind of the biggest issue for me this offseason so far uh, we only have three senior center backs on the roster um we only have one left back and he's hurt so uh, i'm interested to see what the front office can get done uh in the early part of the season it looks like now to kind of shore those up because we're another injury away from really having a rough uh rough back line situation Absolutely. I pulled up some stats for the wins and losses. There was actually a 12 game stretch in the middle of the season where either one goal or zero goals were given up by this defense. So 12 games in a row without two goals. And in that time, they were six, six and zero. So um, they, they can put up good numbers, even if it's not a clean sheet. And when they do 12 games in a row without a loss, because they're allowing only one goal in a game. That is consistency, and if you get a little depth, this is going to be a tricky season, a lot of midweek games, a lot of soccer in a very small amount of time, so hopefully you guys can get that short up in the back. Now, I'm going to throw over to you. Were there any players that maybe we should be talking about that we haven't touched on yet today? There's a lot of intrigue in Orlando over Matthias Ayas, who was a striker we brought in from uh, – he was actually with Watford, uh, played in Spain for his professional career. He's Brazilian. Um, we don't really know a ton about him. He was excellent in the Copa del Rey last year, scored a lot of great goals against uh, La Liga quality teams. Um, so we're all interested to see how he slots into that striker depth chart, if he can end up beating out Tesho Akindele for that uh, number two job. Um, other than that, we've got a ton of homegrown talent that we really haven't seen yet. Um, they really, We didn't get a lot of minutes out of our homegrown guys last year. I think that's something the front office and Breha has really been kind of trying to focus on this year. And we're going to need to lean on those guys um, for depth, uh, especially with the congested fixtures like you guys mentioned. So uh, I think really Alvarado, Alexander Alvarado, the Ecuadorian winger, um, and Matthias Ayas are the two that a lot of people kind of forgot about because we didn't bring them in in the winter. They came in at the very tail end of the summer window. They uh, didn't get very many minutes at all with us there in the last month or so of the season. So we're, we're all kind of waiting to see what exactly we have in those two pieces, but they're two exciting young players that I think uh, everybody's going to be stoked once they get a, a good run of minutes under their belt. All right, if I could jump in uh, before we uh, close up. Your goalie, Gillespie, I'm killing the name. I love what he did for you guys last year. I mean, he's flamboyant. He's I see how he barks at the defense. Talk a little bit about your goalie, how, how he solidified your goalie position. So that has been an issue for you the last few years, if I'm not mistaken. 
Um, yes and no. I mean, we've had we've always loved our goalies. If you're a keeper in Orlando, like Tally Hall retired and is now a cop in Orlando. Uh, they love Orlando. We love them. Joe Bendick was a cult icon here for the few years he was uh, in goal, but none of them can even hold Galeas's jockstrap the the way That's... that team held it down last year. Yeah, he was spectacular. Uh, I think he's in conversation for one of the top keepers in MLS, if not the top keeper, definitely top three. Um, you know, that's a guy it's, you just kind of feel safe when he's back there. You know, that even if the defense screws up, um, he's going to be back there and probably making the save. And it's a rare occurrence when he doesn't, which was a huge, huge relief to have uh, somebody so solid and somebody so quick back there. Yeah. I like him. He, I like what he brings to you guys. I mean, he's, he's solid. You're definitely top five in the league without a doubt. Absolutely. And Logan, it seems like you've been kind of, uh, even with us so far, you're you're neither a pessimist nor a optimist. You seem like a realist, but I'm going to ask you to be an optimist here. What is the best this team could do? What does a successful season for Orlando SC look like next year? MLS Cup. There you go. It's I, I mean it. that's, that's I think the it's weird coming into a season with the expectation that you're going to make the playoffs and not just make the playoffs. You're going to improve on what was a top four finish in the East, and you know really this team that's the next step is to compete for that cup at the very least. And this is a team that talent wise, especially across the forward line is maybe the deepest attack in MLS. Um, well, that'll be tested once they actually get on the field. But, you know, when you have Nani Pato, Chris Mueller's, you know, a potential 10 and 10 guy, Pereira's back there. And we haven't even talked about Daryl DK. If he comes back on loan, even for a couple months, that's a whole other wrinkle. That's I, I, I'm sorry, baby. You guys yeah. get 20, you're going to get twenty million for it, man. You're going to nope. go chiching. Yeah, he's hundred. not coming back. We're linked to, he's linked to what seven Premier League clubs I was with this morning. Like he's, yeah, he's, yeah, he's he's not coming back, man. He's gone. Gonna get, he's you, gone. Uh, we hate to get, break it to you. You're getting paid. You're getting paid big time, but he's not coming. This back. actually isn't a podcast. This is actually your intervention. We need to talk about Daryl DK. <laughs> yeah, he's a, you can you can wish all you want, but the twenty million is going to be twenty million, man. You know that's ten asking price that just went up man there's no way teams are going to pay much more for him and i'm sorry he's going to go and good for him good for his career good for the u.s national team it's good job developing talent yeah that's a great job and you can just reinvest into your youth program or get somebody else in especially with owner that doesn't spend money if you can get that kind of money you got to pull the trigger unfortunately you have to do it and that's the thing we have another dp spot open so with 20 million in the bank to be able to go out there and spend on a dp mid-season maybe I mean, that could completely change the game. That's, uh, you know, depending on how Pato does, maybe it's on the striker. If it's not, if Pato is firing all cylinders, then you can, you really can have your pick of where you want to throw, uh, you know, DP level talent into this roster and really push it to the next level. So, yeah, I think, I think the expectation this year is at a minimum what we did last year. And uh, this team has all the talent to be able to go all the way. Obviously, there's a lot of tough teams in the East this year, especially at the top. But I think any Orlando fan would tell you we can hang with any of them. Yeah, absolutely. And one last question before we uh, wrap this up. I asked this. I usually ask and and every show with this kind of question. Your most hated rival, and why do you hate them so much? I'm going to guess Inter Miami or Atlanta. Tell me who who you hate more and why. It's still Atlanta. There's okay. not enough. Uh, there's a lot of like Floridian on Floridian hate with Miami. Like if right. you ever lived in Florida, people from not Miami hate Miami. Uh, South Florida is a different <laughs> state. Might as well be. But we really haven't had. Tons of animosity. You know, fans really weren't in the stands, maybe for one game last year between those two teams. So hopefully that grows uh, as we get more familiar with each other. But every single Orlando fan wants to beat Atlanta every time out by 10 goals. Not by 10? Nice. Oh, excellent. Oh, that, yeah, it's the – like whenever you go down to Orlando, an Atlanta-Orlando game, you're going to see somebody with blood out of their nose. Like those two fan bases just hate each other. It's 
it's kind of it's kind of vicious. I guess this is a bad time to tell you that we're cutting you off so we can talk to Jason Longshore from soccer down here. But this episode has to end. So um, thank you again, Logan, for joining us here today. And why don't you uh, just take some time, tell us one last time about your podcast and where we can find you. Find us at The Roar Pod. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, uh, you can also find us on social media at The Roar Pod. Um, yeah, we're pretty simple. All right. Thank you guys for joining us. And thank you for watching IB Sports. 